Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I'm so excited this morning to tell you that we have a guest, and I'm so excited to meet him. We've had this wonderful conversation. I've told him all about life with Midge, and he's been laughing hysterically ever since. <laughs> so I can't I wait have. to introduce <laughs> you. <have. laughs> We've had a great time. We had to remember to record and to actually get go live because we were having such a great time. So anyway, let me introduce you to Carter. So Carter Holmes speaks life coaches and organizes retreats for gay Christians. He steps away from successful science and performing arts careers to share his 20s coming out story in his upcoming book, Happy Gay Christian Hereafter, Eight Steps to Reconcile Your Identity to Family and Faith or Leave Without Regret. Read your copy this October with the bestseller Amazon book launch for hard copy and Kindle. Get on the early reader list for a free copy emailed to you. What is Carter's mission? Give people permission to choose their beliefs. Look out for his upcoming TEDx talk called The Power of Loving Without Agreeing. Carter lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I am so stoked to have you here, Carter. I'm so thrilled that we've had this connection. So welcome to Gay With God. Thank you so much. I'm happy to make a new friend. It's such a blessing. It really, really is. And I'm so glad you're so close. So that's awesome. I meet so many cool people on this podcast and I love all the guests that I've had. And you're one of the ones that's close that we could actually make a connection. So that's really awesome. So I want to give the floor over to you, Carter. Tell us your coming out faith journey story. My coming out faith (laughs) journey story started, I would say, about 10 years ago. And I come from a very, very conservative Christian background Mm -hmm. from Wilkes County, North Carolina, if you're from around here. It's the biggest county, and it's probably the most conservative. I have absolutely no problem with anybody who has whatever beliefs they want. If they're passionate, all the better. It's uh, made it very hard for me when people were so compelled to champion their beliefs that I, as a pretty empathic person, um, I've avoided a lot of confrontation and it was difficult to realize that I actually have the right to choose what I believe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, wherever they're from, for some reason in our culture now, they don't want to give anyone permission to choose what they believe. They always, in my experience, I feel a lot of pressure that there's an agenda you know, I can't say that as a blanket statement for everyone, but my coming out story was very difficult because I come from a reformed Presbyterian background and the word gay, there's already arguments against why it's not a good word to use. So I wasn't allowed to say gay. And then I didn't want to say same sex attracted because that felt like it wasn't what I wanted to say. So I came out to my pastor in 2015 and said, hey, I'm not quite straight. (laughs) (laughs) 
I found like the perfect middle road. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm not quite straight. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was very compassionate. I just don't think he's very equipped to handle the situation. He, I went to a reparative therapist for a year. I graduated mm. Wake Forest 2015. So that last semester through my first six months out of school, I was seeing a reparative therapist. Mm. I was like, yeah, I'm a smart guy. I love God. And I guess I can fix this. Everybody seems to think I can. And so I just got a bunch of books and I wrote in the margins and I thought, well, I know how to study. So I'm working really hard in these books and I guess it must be doing something. And all that happened was that I was angry and frustrated that nothing seemed to change. Right. <laughs> like, do I need to read more? I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's a long story. I said 10 years ago and coming out as gay I say I just came out about my feelings honestly. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Be honest about my feelings. And in my book, I get it even more focused because I think it'll be easier if people just focus on their fears and their angers. Mm-hmm. If people are able to unearth their heart that way, because I believe the heart is your feelings, what prompts your feelings, those thoughts, and then your needs. If people are able to talk that way, and if they're able to find people that respect that, then that will be their best bet at mm-hmm. finding happiness, I think. Mm-hmm. And so my steps go into that, but that's the basis for finding happiness. And that's what I did intuitively. I would always try to be honest. And the most honest thing I could say is I'm not quite straight. And so in 2015, I had been going prepared to therapy for about a year and I thought, okay, I got it under control. I've never asked for anything. I'm the kid who played in church since the age of nine. Like I help people. I don't ask for anything. Came out to my dad New Year's Day and said, hey, dad, I'm not quite straight. And it was the worst. Mm. Like, he was a God-loving man. And I just saw a side of him that was, I just felt like, oh, shoot. I'm like mm-hmm. one of the Democrats on TV that he doesn't like. Mm. And the facts are he accused me of calling him a bad father. And I said, what? No, this has nothing to do with you. And then he left the room telling me he cursed me without Mm. using profanity on the show. And Mm. it really caught me by surprise. I was just in shock because I thought Mm. this is not the family I know. And this is not the dad I know. And this is like my rock bottom moment. I would say I go into Mm -hmm. my TEDx talk as well. And I told my mom around that time that I was suicidal and I needed a psychiatrist. And she had to, she said she had to go make dinner. Oh my goodness. That and was her response. Yeah. And I, <sighs> she's apologized to me about it and I forgive her. And like, I go into for- forgivenesses in my steps as well. And I'm committed to not having ill feelings, but the facts are the facts. And mm. I can't feel bad about other people not feeling good about the facts because I have to tell my story because other people have a story like this. And so God gave me my first real job after college. And that's when I moved from North Carolina to upstate New York. And it was there in the community theater scene that I really came into myself, Mm -hmm. except I found that instead of people taking words away from me, like in my church, I couldn't speak my feelings there. Everybody I was just shocked. Everybody was like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you gay? And people started asking me out. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I have something going on here. That's- yeah. <laughs> this is a good state. 
it's only been in the last three years I've called myself gay because I'm at peace with it. And so my coming out story is coming out about my feelings. And I think what I choose to say about it is my choice. Mm-hmm. I think gay is a wonderful word. I really do. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important for people to feel at peace with it and why they're saying it. Yeah. And when words are pushed on me, I found it very difficult because I want to make everybody happy, mm-hmm. whether they were conservative or more liberal. Like I yeah. lived in New York City for a while. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy gay. Yay. I'm a Christian. Yay. Well, so, so that, that's a powerful story and I can't wait to read your book and I can't wait to hear the Ted talk. This is my question. So growing up in your family, did you know other people who may have been gay and your family (laughs) talked about it? I mean, I know you and I talked earlier and it's like, we're everywhere and probably no gay people who have never come out to themselves or others, but, but how was that growing up in Wilkes County? Did you know of other gay people in your community? And how did your family's your family react to that? So my aunt is lesbian. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> she used to own a lobster pound. She still owns a general store in Maine. Fantastic yeah. place to visit. She and her partner are wonderful. And once I got on, on my own, I went and visited her uh-huh. and struck up a relationship. But the facts are the facts. I, I wasn't allowed to associate with her, her and her partner growing up. And when they would send Christmas gifts, my parents would retag them just to be from Aunt Ada versus oh my goodness. Her partner. And, you know, as a little kid, you know, you just, you just receive. And so uh-huh. I was like, okay, this is just how it is. Okay. Uh-huh. And I genuinely believe that the intent of a lot of people, including my folks, is positive. They're doing what they think is best. I think people are very blinded about how judgmental they are though. Mm-hmm. And so did I know a lot of gay people growing up? No. However, I did learn generally how to treat people that were different from me. Mm-hmm. And that's not limited to gay people. Mm-hmm. That's limited to people of a different race, mm-hmm. people of a different background, people from the North, because my people are diehard Southerners. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> the Northeast mm-hmm. so much, but, mm-hmm. um, like it was just all, I had so many, it was, there were surprises to me and they were really humbling because I just realized, oh my goodness, I have acted like such a hateful, judgmental person. And mm. I just didn't realize it. And the worst part, what really made me confront that is I came out, I had to leave home and I couldn't afford to be a judgmental person because I was in my own little team of one. And if I was judgmental towards people that were different from me growing up, then I wasn't going to make it. I had to make friends. And I realized that the people that I had judged the most growing up have ended up being the people who've loved me the most. Mm-hmm. And it's the most humbling and honoring experience to meet people who are different from me mm-hmm. because they do have different stories. I'm so blessed beyond belief right now, while at the same time, I'm so humbled just because I'm no perfect human being. And there's forgiveness for everyone. Forgiveness is one of those things where, where it's sometimes hard to come to that. But even when we do forgive the pain that resonates from the action that was put upon us still resonates. And that's part of our truth too, that I may forgive things that happened in my past, but yet those wounds 
are still a, a little bit of a scar and mm-hmm. they kind of reignite every once in a while. I, I used to work with children in therapy and I would do this activity with them, especially the kids that were super, super uh, violent toward their parents. And I would get some Play-Doh out and we'd make, we'd roll it out into a circle. And then I'd have them take one of the little Play-Doh tools and we marked it up. We put little potholes in it. And then I'd say, every one of these potholes is one of these things that you did over the week that you might not meant to have done, but things that happened that kind of hurt mommy's heart. And um, sometimes we talked about things that mommy did in retaliation that hurt their heart. So it was kind of like a lesson back and forth for both of them that, you know, these actions are, are wounding a heart. And then I'd say, take this rolling pin and let's try to smooth that out. Let's, you know, let, you, you've said, you've said you're, you're sorry. So let's smooth that out. And so they try to smooth it out. And even though they might've smoothed out the Play-Doh, wow. some of those marks are still there. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, and they said, well, it won't all go away. I said, I know that's called a memory. And oh. I said, the memory of that, that thing that happened stays in people's hearts. And so even though you say you're sorry, it doesn't always make, you know, mommy's heart hurt less and it doesn't always make your heart hurt less. So I, you know, when I did that, you know, that's part of that reminds me that that's why my wounds can still be reactivated depending on what right somebody wants to take away from me or if a trigger word happens and I hear that word again and it takes me back to a place that was such an ugly moment for me, my memory still hurt. So when your mom looked at you and said, you know, after you told her your truth and your wound, and I think I'm suicidal, I need, basically you're saying, help me. I got to go finish dinner. There's no be right back. About yeah, I'm it. sure it was, not. I'm, I'm sure not, darling. I'm sure not. I never got uh, to go to therapy either. So I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and, but you went to reparative therapy, which is a different kind of therapy that wasn't validating. You know, your father cursing you through his Christian lips. I mean, those are wounds that that I think all of our community needs to remember that we we have validation for that. We can validate ourselves that, yes, I was wounded. I forgive them. I'm reaching to a higher spiritual level and I can I can forgive you and I can understand you. I understand that your fear of going to hell may be the reason that you're fighting so hard for me in a negative way but you're afraid I'm going to hell. So I get that cognitively why Christians are still so locked into their bigotry mm-hmm. because they really don't get it. And they're afraid to, they're afraid to get it. They're afraid to align with our understanding of the scriptures because they see that as propaganda and they see that as us twisting the scriptures and they don't understand that the scriptures have been twisted since they were written down because they, nobody was right there writing them down in the moment. And Jesus never wrote anything except for in the sand one day, apparently. But, you know, he never wrote nothing down. So there's a lot to unpack with that. And I, I admire you for moving into forgiveness. And then the coach of me says, but you know what? You have a right to validate the pain that you may still resonate with. And that's not wrong. Right. That's not wrong to still feel your own feelings and know where they're coming from. It's true. Mm. It is a confusing process. Mm -hmm. I do talk about grief in the second step. You know, there are different models for grief, but the Kubler-Ross model, the five stages of grief is 
one of the most popular and I, I'm, it's it's useful just to make sense of it in a personal way mm-hmm. like for me when i would remember because there's no reason to stay in situations where you're continually hurt right and i didn't fully grieve and so i stayed in situations where i would stay hurt mm. and i think the first step is disbelief and the second is anger then bargaining mm-hmm. then depression mm-hmm. then acceptance mm-hmm. i mean i actually went to 12 step during covid because I came home and my folks were like, I called myself gay at that point. They're like, it's just lust based. I was like, fine, I will test this theory and I will go to 12 step and I will see if I rid my life of lust, if it's still here. And I really shouldn't have given them that. It's not for me to grant them anything. I don't owe anyone anything. Mm -hmm. However, it was useful to me because yet again and on a very honest level i sorted through my feelings in a constructive way mm-hmm. and realized that i'm just a healthy human being there is nothing wrong with me and my mm-hmm. sponsor said you're not an addict you're just gay but- <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the steel magnolias <laughs> quote where the guy comes home and he goes i have something really hard to tell you i have cancer and they're like oh my god and he goes no i'm just gay <laughs> that's so funny how we have to say things sometimes (laughs) but that's right you're not there is nothing wrong with you your sponsor was correct you're just gay you're being your authentic self (laughs) one of the most valuable things i learned in 12 step was there's a passage in the blue book acceptance is the answer to all my problems and that's the last step of grief and Mm -hmm. i didn't accept these are the facts and no matter how how much people would like to doubt or shut me down or discount what I'm saying or how I feel. All I have is my perception of things. These are actually facts. People might say like growing up, they're like all very rational and factually based, very cerebral. And you have to trust how you feel in some way. And you have to give yourself credit for it because you're an intelligent human being. Uh You're in a complex machine and the input you get has rational output like there's reasons for why you feel the way you feel you have to honor it otherwise it will only get worse yeah and i like how you said that kubler ross is useful to to kind of name those stages and i think that if she had continued to be able to study that that she would see that it's not like a destination grief is not we start here in denial and move our way up to acceptance it is sort of a progression, but it's more of a revolving door. Mm-hmm. So we start in and then we circle back <laughs> and we may have to go through a little denial again. You know, that how many gay people have been in and out of the closet based on where they're living or who they're around or trying again to get clean, thinking that God needs to cleanse them. I mean, we go through all these mental gymnastics trying to figure out, like you said, what book to read, what to study, how to do it. You know, can I, you know, go through reparative therapy? Is that going to work? How many books do I have to read? You know, so that, that whole grief journey really is a revolving door and we could be at acceptance and something can happen. Like somebody gets into office and takes all our rights away and kiboshes our marriages and all that kind of stuff. Now we're back at, oh my God, this isn't happening. We're back at denial and we have to walk that grief journey again and go through the same, not maybe as, as long as it took before, but we still have to reclaim our faith 
and realize that no one has the right to take our faith from us. No one has the right to tell me I can't be gay with God. You know, God- claiming faith. I battle that on a mm-hmm. consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Like things have gotten so much better, but yeah. I still wake up on a Tuesday morning sometimes and I just have to remind myself of what I choose to believe. I can read the Bible and validate it, but for some reason it's so hard some days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because we're still under the lessons that people taught us about the Bible. We were taught this scripture means this, this means this. And they didn't look at it with the context of when it was written, who it was written for, why it was written, who was asking for it to be translated into the King James Bible. King James, bless his little homophobic heart. He, you know, he was in the closet. He's still, I mean, not all the time, apparently, (laughs) but (laughs) maybe he invited people in. I don't know if he ever came out, but he definitely invited people in. So you've got to under, they, that's what they're afraid to see. They're afraid to see. And sometimes we are too, that the Bible is really, um, how did, how did Brian, Brian said it, um, McLaren said it, that, you know, they want, the Bible to be like a constitution, that this is the truth. And what it really is, is a library of history and people trying to learn how to live together and rules that they put in place. They treated people a certain way, what to eat, how to do it. And God, you know, they, they said God told them these things and that's okay. But yet God also then said, you know, all those things that I said you couldn't eat, you know, really let Jesus said, it's okay. (laughs) have at it buffet go ahead it's all good so (laughs) we (laughs) we were trained to believe the way our parents believed to believed how their parents believed and everybody passed it down but no one has really taken it up taken it apart and changed the belief they had from all those years ago Mm -hmm. it's sort of like in therapy we would have a individual service plan like and and it was a living breathing document or at least it was supposed to be that as a person got better you would take one goal off you'd add another one on that you had surfaced over the time in therapy and so some people could be in therapy for a very long time but it's not because they're always working on the same thing forever it was that it was a living breathing document and it should have been able to continue to grow with the person who was growing in therapy but then uncovering other things that needed to be dealt with like an onion you know let's peel back some layers and let's just keep adding goals. So, but that's the way we grow. But yet the Bible has always been forced to, to, to stay stagnant. It is what it always has been. It can't ever change. This is the word of God, you know, but really, really is God still back there and hasn't moved with us? I don't believe that. Not any little skinny minute. I don't believe that. Yeah. I think that, Perhaps it's an offensive idea. I love offensive ideas. I'm, it's, it's not that I believe them. It's just I like to throw them out there and see how much of a splash it oh, makes. Oh, go ahead. Throw it away. Go, go. Throw it out. The Bible is just a book. The word of God is not actually what's printed in there. Mm. I mean, because the Bible book that we have, it could be lost in a house fire and it would be okay. And it's a translation. So you could go back and do another translation just get the funding for it and you'll have a new translation and (laughs) it's not to say that the intelligence of people who translated in the past is invalid it's just that 
fallible people have made human decisions about how are we yes. going to express this in a different language? Yes. Like the word homosexual, you know, was not in the Bible in the beginning, not the no. way it's translated now. And when you look at, and not I, till I'm, the forties, in fact, 41. exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, when we look at the words that they chose, some of those words in Hebrew have multiple options as to what word to choose. And someone doing the translation for whomever they were doing it for, because that really made a big difference. If I'm writing for King James and he wants me to use this word, you best believe that's the word I'm going to use. You know, so when you're translating something, who chose what word of all these words, why would somebody choose this word? And who am I writing it for? And did they want me to use that word? So it, it really changes the context of the Bible when we look at vocabulary and certain words, especially the hot button words like homosexuality or homosexual, which wasn't in the Bible to begin with. And then all of a sudden it was in there in this context, who decided that? Mm -hmm. And so all of the things that, that were used to condemn us were either misinterpreted because Sodom and Gomorrah, I'd like to say, okay, if you believe the Sodom and Gomorrah story is homosexuality, and that's the inspired word of God, and you're going to stand by that, are you throwing out the New Testament that said the sin of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was inhospitality? Ain't yeah. the same thing, people. Ain't the same. So you can't have it both ways and still say that all of it is the inspired ways. word of God. Mm -hmm. So as I'm reclaiming my faith, and I've this journey that I've been on for, you know, over a year or longer, it it's, it's really stretching me because I was the granddaughter of a minister. I hellfire brimstone boy. I was the niece of a minister. And so we were taught inspired word of God. God said it. We believe it. This is it. This is in the Bible. But -da 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 -da. I carried that my whole life, you know, and it takes a little while to start to say, okay, I won't be struck by lightning if I start to <laughs> say, I don't believe that part, or I don't think that's right. Or, oh, look, here are all these errors in the Bible. Even the Gospels can't agree on the story. They are different. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting you use the word carry, all that stuff you carry. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting to carry. Mm -hmm. And my point being that I think the Gospel is very, very simple. Jesus is to follow him. And I actually, when I, when I, when I came back during COVID, I called myself a follower of Jesus mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I kind of used some shock factor maybe with my books a little bit. I don't, <laughs> I want to avoid it. I don't want to be petty. I really don't, Yeah. but I'm serious. Like so much baggage and what you're expected to do and what you're expected to carry yeah. comes from calling yourself. I am a Christian. Be like, Oh, that means anything, depending mm -hmm. on what state you live in. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and where I come from people say they're very intelligent and so if I were to say that the gospel is as simple as following Jesus and I think it's Romans where it says confess through your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead then you'll be saved that is what makes a believer and then proof of that evidence of that is the fruits of the spirit the nine fruits Mm -hmm. love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness mercy self-control if you have that it's very simple and mm -hmm. yet for some reason for some reason i think it's political and it's fear-based but homosexuality yes. is somehow impacts the simplicity of the gospel mm -hmm. and 
I try to avoid saying, I believe this, because I don't want to force it on people like they forced it on me. But I would ask, is that the gospel that people believe? And if it is, then why are you so unwilling to listen? Mm-hmm. Especially to listen to people's hearts. I'm, I'm not, I don't even want to advocate for people being forced to change their beliefs either, like my own folks. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're unable to listen because you're so scared and that's not consistent with your gospel, then perhaps you have something wrong. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, if you persist in acting immature this way, then I have no reason to talk to you because I have people who love me elsewhere and my loving is good and I will give it where it's welcome. I love that. I love the fact that you could say to yourself, if I'm not welcome here, if you're not going to treat me with love and respect, I don't have to be here. I don't have to be, I can still love you from my Christ centered heart. The I can love the light of Christ in you, even though we're not seeing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have to be, I don't have to be traumatized by you anymore. And I don't have to be hurt by you anymore. I've walked away from more than one pe- one person in my life because I can't be in relationship with them and be healthy. I just mm. can't. And, you know, not that I don't love them. I do love them, but I cannot be in relationship with them. And I don't deserve the pain that they inflict on me. It is hard to carry. You're right. It's a heavy load to know that you're worthy and you want other people to know that too. And we can't convince them. You know, that's, that's why it's a, that's why no, we cannot. And, and, and we can't expect them, like you said, to do anything other than what they are ready to do. Um, I forget who said it. They were talking about, I think it was, it might've been Wayne Dyer, but we talked, they talked about you either have pints or gallons and a person who has a spiritual pint has not really grown in their spiritual walk. It may be that it may kind of be equivalent to this is what I learned about the Bible. And I'm still there on the very lower rung of the spiritual journey. I am a pint and I have so much love to give. And when that's done, I can't, do <laughs> that's all I got. As we grow and we develop more of a spiritual gallon within our soul, then as we're hurt and we can, you know, react in kindness and then we can dip down and react in kindness. And as we're continuing to fill our vessel with the love of Jesus and Jesus's example, we continue to be able to give that out. Not that we don't have bad days, but we have a little bit more to offer. So when I come up against someone who is just absolutely slammed the door shut, not going to listen, doesn't want to read anything, doesn't want to grow. And I'm thinking, ah, (laughs) I'm in the presence of a pint. (laughs) (laughs) And I know better than to, to try to expect any more from what they have to give. Nobody can give me a thousand dollars out of their wallet if they don't have it, even if they wanted to. If you don't have it, you can't give it away. Wow. So I'm not going to be able to give away as much as someone else who's been able to practice loving kindness more than me, but I can give away more maybe than somebody that's a pint. And I have to recognize where they are on their spiritual journey. And I'm not trying to judge where they are or to ordain that that's where they are, but based on their behavior or their lack of willingness to change one part of their brain, I, I can't make it work. I believe your perception is a gift from God and it should be taken seriously. Like if Mm -hmm. that's what you're getting, then Mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think, I think some people, myself being a primary one, 
I just doubted my perception of everything because everybody said I was wrong that I knew. And then I thought loved me. Mm-hmm. And it's important to, you know, wake up in the morning, set your life right with God and then take yourself seriously. I think it's very important. Yeah, it is very important. And it, and it is that journey. I love how um, I'm mentioned earlier that I'm an Episcopalian and I love being a part of this church because, you know, we do have, uh, uh, and I don't know if Bishop Curry is the first one that used it or if it was somebody else, but it's called the Jesus movement. And we're always talking about being part of the Jesus movement. And that is, you know, reaching out into the community, being there for those who are marginalized, being those who are hungry for widows. For Jesus reached out to the people who needed us and we are there to love. And Um, One of the best things that I ever heard was (laughs) from a friend of mine who uh, our dog was um, injured on a walk by another dog and ran off. And we looked for three and a half weeks for him. Finally did what we were able to find him and bring him home. But it was three and a half weeks of torture and it was horrible. And um, a friend of mine that I had just met, I had just started leaning back into going to church after years and years of not being in church and very angry at God. And I just started leaning back in and she had met me and she knew that we were both super, you know, dog people. And every day after Roddy left, she was at my house early in the morning, we'd have a cup of tea and we would go out and search. And I mean, in swamps, I mean, black muddy swamps, woods, places that were probably private property and we didn't know it, but we shouldn't have been there. We went everywhere we thought he could be. And, and we, for the whole three and a half weeks, we were feet on the pavement, walking, putting up signs, doing all this stuff. And one day I said to her, I said, it is Sunday. I said, I bet father Joe is wondering where you are and why you're not in church. And she said, father Joe understands that the building is not the church and I'm doing God's work. And I'm sure he's fine with that. Because she was looking for a lost sheep, so to speak. And really what she was doing was was showing me how to be a Christian outside of the church building on Sunday morning, Easter and Christmas. She was the church. She was letting me rail against God. She was listening to everything I said. And sometimes she would say, you know, I don't believe that, but I understand why you do. You know, and, and so she was so accepting and so right present with me that is the Jesus movement. That is being a, a Jesus in action. And that's what love is. Love is to be there in the trenches with someone who is super angry and petrified and, and you know, desolate right there in my soul. And she was there every day to feed me just with her presence. That's mm. the Jesus movement. And people who are willing to come out of their comfort area, off their pew, out of their church Sunday clothes and walk with someone who's struggling and stand in their faith. That to me is beautiful. And that's what we are to other people who are in reparative therapy, who are trying to struggle to reclaim their faith. You know, our, our light, the light you're showing today on this, on this podcast is that you can follow this light. I don't have it all together and I'm not perfect, but I, I know that I deserve to be here and that I deserve to be who I authentically am. That's true. Mm-hmm. I deserve to breathe and experience life. Amen. Mm-hmm. You do. 
and you be, you you deserve to be able to say you're gay mm-hmm. and stand in your truth and celebrate this is something big for me a sponsor like he challenged me to put my bible down in fact and to stop going to church and he's like mm. you've memorized the shorter catechism it'll be there when you come back if you want to and if you don't like any of this work you're about to do you can throw it out and then go back to what you know which clearly isn't working for you <laughs> and i just have these fundamental truths and i feel like god has given me and like i can go read in the bible and i can say yeah that is in agreement with the bible that i read and one of them is that jesus has paid for it all and god is big enough to cover any mistakes i make so I can, with boldness, if I feel like God is directing me to do something, I can make that decision. I can have this belief about God and go with it in peace because it's not about me being right. And I don't think God calls us to be right. Mm-mm. I mean, that's where I got the idea of the power of loving without agreeing because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not about being right. It's about being in relationship. Mm-hmm. It is. Jesus is not about being right. He never says that once. I have searched the Gospels to (laughs) see about that. Because I'm like, this is a pretty profound idea. Like, God doesn't call us to be right. The reason he came and died on the cross is because we can't always be right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And And there are so many, (laughs) there's so many saints through the Bible who seem to do the wrong things for apparently the right reasons following God. Jesus broke the law. Like the big one is that he broke the Sabbath law mm-hmm. and yet he fulfilled the law. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's not about me being right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a huge load off. It is a huge load off. The thing I love though, about where I am now reclaiming my faith is that I can be in community with other people who are not perfect <laughs> but yet mm-hmm. we are there for each other. And I think that's why I kept trying and I think I kept trying because Holy Spirit was pulling me back to, you know, a a community of people that are believing in this Jesus movement. But I also missed that, you know, when I wasn't in church, I didn't miss church as the yucky way that it was church so much, but I missed being in community Mm -hmm. and me going on my spiritual journey by myself wasn't working for me. It may work for someone else, but I love being in community, someone that I can go to and, and be lifted up. If I'm having a bad day, somebody that I can help because I'm doing a little bit better and I can now help you. You know, there's so many opportunities to serve now in ways that I never could, you know, I can, I can read the scriptures on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I can be a a Eucharistic minister and help with communion, which has been profoundly profoundly deep for me. I have never experienced communion the way I experience now as someone who not only receives, but then administers the cup. And it it is just such a, I don't know, I don't know what the, I don't even know what the word is, but it's just so profound for me to be able to serve in that capacity because I feel like I am actually serving next to Jesus, you know, that I am doing what Jesus did before and i can oh you are yeah it's awesome it is awesome and and that is what i find so amazing about coming back to a a body of believers is that i can be myself 
you know, I am so out. I made sure that I was so out. I almost wore, you know, rainbows every day when I went to church because I wanted, if somebody was going to send me out of that church, they better send me day one because I was going to be who I was without any apologies. And I have been well received and I am, you know, I'm happy. And I'm not saying every single person in that church may believe that. And I don't care. I know that my priest believes that. And I know that I believe that, that I can be gay with God and I deserve to be there and that I can serve in any capacity in this church that I, if I wanted to go to school and become a priest, I can do it out Mm. and proud and I can do it. And I can do anything that they ask me to do at church because I, they, they see me as part of the Jesus movement and they accept that I can be gay and I'm not going to hell. Well, thank you. (laughs) I believe that too. (laughs) It is hard to hear that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Something that my dad has told me a lot and it's just, I don't let him tell me stuff like this anymore. I didn't realize this Mm -hmm. is, this is, this is wrong of me to let someone do this to me, but just telling me that I'll never be happy. That's a horrible thing to let mm. myself hear. That's mm. not a good thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, everyone's entitled to their own beliefs, but I can say that I've, I've only let him tell me once that he doesn't think I'm a Christian and that my siblings don't think that either. Mm. I've only let him tell me that once. I was like, all right, well, I know this game enough. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you are, parent, mm-hmm. child, friend, stranger. Like, you just don't let people what we let into our minds is very powerful. And like the mm-hmm. words we tell ourselves are powerful. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. And we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. Like we honor ourselves. And if we truly believe that God made us, then we're really important. And it doesn't matter who you are, or what your sexuality, people mm-hmm. get mistreated no matter who they are. It's very yeah. important to value yourself. It's yes. just, I think that gay people have a special case of, having to learn it's almost like a life or death lesson of you have mm-hmm. to learn to value and give yourself dignity yes because no one else is going to right right and that it's it's not just a church thing it's a society thing it's a political thing you know we have had it from all sides and even yeah you know, i told somebody one day i said we are such a powerful group of people do you know that we can make pandemics happen gay people did that did you know that gay people bring floods <laughs> Did you know that gay people started wars? I mean, we are so powerful. Why don't we have rights? We should have taken over a long time ago. I mean, honestly, we are we are everything bad that happens. But, you know, and but when that we laugh about it, you and me now, but that happens, you know, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible to be thought of <laughs> as pedophiles and, you know, flood bringers. And it's like, really? We must have been back there when Noah, you know, some gay person started that <laughs> flood. Oh, I don't know. Those wars. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's what's that's what's always that thing, like that memory, that trigger when people come in and they start that that's propaganda. All of that hate speech toward us and bombing where we go to to you know church or where we go to have a good time it's ridiculous it's ridiculous that the world's still filled with all of this hate and we are not responsible for that people's hate is an inside job it is it is i i do believe everyone is deserving of compassion mm-hmm. and the only way like there's no way that people can develop special plans to like, i mean Obviously, some people are supposed to serve certain people groups. I don't mean to dismiss that. Mm -hmm. 
but like on a level playing field of everyone being human that's that's the only way that's the only simple way to go out and tell someone how to live in a way that reduces the suffering in the world mm-hmm. everyone has a heart and everyone no matter their differences like kids know how to do this mm-hmm. kids know how to communicate their feelings i heard a kid at starbucks yesterday scream i don't want that <laughs> i just thought that is the most genius statement and most parents can't even say that most adults can't say i don't want that that's right <laughs> that's right so what would you say what is the one thing you want people to, to know you don't want what anymore in your life you don't want to hear it you don't want anybody to say it to you you don't want what i don't want anything that tears me down mm-hmm. and if i'm in tune with how I'm doing if I do the work every day to be at Mm -hmm. peace with God and Mm -hmm. not have any anger or fear, give that up to him, then I can be in tune enough to know, nope, not letting any of this in. This has Mm -hmm. to go because Mm -hmm. I already feel it tearing me down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's easier for newer relationships, Mm -hmm. old relationships. I still am. I find myself really surprised and I can't believe I let people do that or let people say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a habit for us too, though, right? So, so in my, in my coaching practice, I talk about the four C's to catch it, challenge it, change it, claim it. And mm. when those things happen, I have to catch the fact that I'm having a visceral reaction to this word because I cannot live without sometimes the feeling of anger or the feeling of fear. Those are all within me and I don't choose to feel that way. I just do feel that way. So I can catch that emotion and I can challenge it and say, okay, you know what? I know why I'm having this visceral reaction, but they don't have the power for me to stay there. So then when I challenge that, then I can change it. And claim mm-hmm. the new belief system or the new way of, of accepting that, honoring the fact that maybe, you know, I change it and claim the fact that, well, they must be a pint. And so I'll send them a blessing. <laughs> or <laughs> I've used I've, I really hope it was Dr. Wayne Dyer that said it first, but um, but I've used that forever, ever since I heard it, that they're a pint. So, okay, fine. You know, I'm not, I, I will send them a blessing and then I will take myself out of the situation. But that's been really, really hard to do. I'm not saying the, the, the C's are easy to do, but as I continue to practice them and as I continue to resonate with that way of thinking, it certainly has helped. Um, and so that, you know, that has been the, the pillars of my coaching practice is to help other people get to that place and to be able to practice that because we all have it every single day. Every single day, something comes up that triggers a memory, a pain, uh, our own, you know, worthiness in the world. So it's a lifetime journey. It is. And we're not done yet. That's why we have the Gay With God podcast, because we're going to share our stories and we're going to show people that there is a light and that we are finding that light to follow. We are part of a bigger movement and love is going to win. Sooner or later, love is going to win. Jesus is love and it's all going to work out. And we are all part of that movement. And today you've been part of that movement. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we met. Absolutely. <laughs> so very happy. And I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. And I can't wait to have you come back to talk about your book. And right before the launch, we're going to have you back. And that way we can talk about when, it, how people can get it later. 
And so for now, though, um, where can people find you? Yes, they can find me on Facebook, Happy Gay Author, (laughs) as well as Instagram, Happy Gay Author. And you can go ahead and get on my early reader list, emailing me at carterholmes2 at gmail.com. Awesome. And guys, I'm going to put that all on the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. So as we close, Carter, what is one thing that that you would say to someone who has been through something similar as you? What is the one thing that you would want to that you wish maybe that somebody had said to you back when you were coming out and trying to figure it out and being you know, shut down by your family in such harsh ways? What do you think would have helped if somebody had said this to you? That is actually a really tough question. I know. Because I didn't take my feelings seriously. I actually think that if somebody had just sat with me and was Mm. quiet Mm. until I said something, that would have been the best thing for me. Mm. So kind of just being that presence for somebody. Yeah. And so like something helpful to say is, there are people out there who will sit with you and they won't tell you anything Mm. because when you feel like you just don't know, one of the hardest things is to hear anything. Mm. And one of the most comforting things is just to have someone quietly and gently there. And there Mm -hmm. are people like that out there Mm -hmm. and they love you. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I love that. So may we all be that silent presence to people who are hurting. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you again, Carter, for showing up today and being the light that you are in the world. Thank you. You're welcome, Mitch. And you as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. So guys, I will put all of that wisdom up on the show page later today. And if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically LGBTQIA, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And remember to check out the Facebook group, Gay With God. Remember to sign in with all the questions answered so I know that you're going to be in the right place. And I have the new Zoom group that we're doing called My Faith Journey that you can join only through the Facebook group. That's where the link is going to be. And if you need a little coaching support to get through your coming out faith journey story, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.com podbean.com scroll all the way down to the bottom to see how you can connect with me and remember your very first session is free okay guys take care of each other we love you bye i want to invite you to become a part of the gay with god community how can you do that stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the gay with god show page Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.